We are studying right now Ephesians, and we have gotten through in two weeks the second chapter of Ephesians. We're in Ephesians 2 and 8. Now, my wife has a red Bible, and it was over here somewhere, somewhere here on the front row, and she leaves it here all the time, and it looks like it may have disappeared. She may have taken it with her. She's not sure on her trip. I want you guys, if anybody accidentally, check your your cars, check your house. If somebody picked up a red NIV, uh, great big thick Bible, uh, make sure you bring it back to us. I know those mistakes happen. We fully understand, but uh, that is pre- very precious to her. So, uh, next thing is this: Ephesians two and eight. We're going to go right into the book of Ephesians. And one more thing: we, we will have. We are going to delay having children's church one more Wednesday since Tori's just gotten back, and um, and I apologize for that. But uh, we will do that. It's, we'll start that again back next Wednesday. Uh, Ephesians two and eight. Open your Bibles with me. We are in the book of Ephesians, and we have gotten through Ephesians 2 and 8. I'm going to read 8 again, and we'll start right here. God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. And that's where we left off at, is the fact that God uh, has blessed us, has given us a gift that we cannot take credit for. You know, I don't get gifts because I've been good. I get gifts because of the good of the giver. Amen? I never got gifts when I was one year old because I was so good. I got gifts from my parents when I was one year old because they were good to me. And that's what—that's part of what God is saying here. And He's saying God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift of God. Ephesians 2 and 9. And we're reading through the entire book of Ephesians and commenting. There's some great things we're going to see here today. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so none of us can boast about it verse 2 and 10 i'm going to read that too and i'll go back for we are god's masterpiece he has created us anew in jesus christ so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago now listen to me i want you to understand something god doesn't make mistakes and you are god's masterpiece you are you know michelangelo painted a great portrait how many of you know what it's called You don't know. I'm sorry. Leonardo da Vinci created a great portrait. You'll know that one. The Mona Lisa. It's perfect. I mean, they've they've been studying it for years. You can't do, but you can't do better art than that. And so, the better than that is his masterpiece. Now, Michelangelo had had a a masterpiece in the in the ceiling of the the Sistine Chapel, and you'll see our version of it, which is a little bit better. Our version of it out in the front of front here. that Aubrey painted for us uh, about our reach for this year. But ma- a masterpiece is the culmination, the best thing that somebody does with their life and with their talents. It is the peak. Now, Paul says right here that you are God's masterpiece. Now, I want you to look at the person next to you and you say, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> Come on now. now. You are God's masterpiece. And here's why. It's not because of how good you are. Listen, the, the, the Mona Lisa can't stand up and say, I'm so great because of me. It has to say, I'm so great because of Leonardo da Vinci. Amen? 
And you have to say, I'm not God's masterpiece because of me. I'm God's masterpiece because of Him. Now let's read that again. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. You can't boast about how good God did it with His salvation for you. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. You see, you were created to do good things. Now, that's just the facts. And God planned good things for you to do long ago. And His culmination of all that is the fact that you are His masterpiece. That you are the best He can do. Now, you don't feel like it. You don't look like it. Sometimes you don't act like it. I've been around you before. But the fact that that's a joke. I've been around you before. There we go. All right. So... We don't feel and act like it sometimes, but the fact is, is the work God did to save us is His masterpiece. Now, Ephesians 2 and 11. Don't forget that you Gentiles, we're going to come back and explain that word in a minute. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You are called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. Now, circumcision was the way that, that the Jews were marked. And God says that, look, that's in their body. And the only thing that's good about that, the only thing they can boast about is they've got this mark in the body. But the fact is, is God has not only affected your body, but he's affected you in everything. Don't forget that you Gentiles. Now, Gentiles are people who are not born Jewish. Now, you may have been born and have some Jewish blood in you. But the fact is, is you're going to see here in a couple of minutes that while God, you see, when God started to save this world, he went to this guy named Abraham. Abram. I'm sorry, his name was Abram. And he said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And from that small beginning, he grew a small nation in the Mediterranean, on the Mediterranean Sea. And that small nation was all he dealt with for, for several thousand years, for about 2,000 years, from the time of Abram until, until the time of Christ. The only people he dealt with were those people in that little town, in that little uh, area of the Mediterranean called the Jews, the Israelites. Now, that's, that country Israel is alive again today, but the fact is, is that was all God was, deal God was dealing with, and to them He revealed His salvation and His plan. To everyone else, they had no clue of the promises of God. No one else did. Now, we're going to see that here in a second. But a Gentile is somebody who was born outside that. So you are either an insider in the club or you are an outsider of the club. And everyone here and the great majority of people in the world at any given time were outside of that club. Now, his purpose with the Israelites was to bring forth Christ. So then in bringing forth Christ, he could bring us all together and break down that barrier between the insiders and the outsiders. He didn't like that. All right? He didn't like that. Now let me show you that. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. Verse 12. In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship amongst the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises of God. The covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without hope, without God and without hope. Let me read that one more time. You were excluded from citizenship amongst the people of Israel and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without 
God and without hope. And what he's saying is this. He's saying, look, we had... There was a time in the earth in which the only people that knew God were the Jews. And because of that, you were all outside of that club. And when you're outside of those clubs, you are living apart from God. You're living apart from Christ. You're living apart from citizenship with God. Let me give you an example. All right. When I lived in Southern California, we had a whole group of people that were not citizens that came in from, from the south of the border. All right. All kinds of people that came in and there was a distinct prejudice against anyone that was not born or a citizen of America, of the United States. Now, they used to get mad when we would say America because America is a continent. There's North America and South America. And they used to say we're Americans, too. All right. They weren't citizens of the United States, but there was a distinct difference between people that would come up across the border, mostly illegally. And let's just be honest. But once they were here, those, there was a distinct difference in the way that they got treated as opposed to the way that we got treated as, as American citizens. We got Social Security. They didn't. How many of you understand? We got minimum wage. They didn't. When minimum wage was, listen, I know this firsthand. When minimum wage, when I left there, I think it was six and a quarter or something, they were getting $5 an hour below minimum wage. Now, they didn't get the same rights and privileges we have, we have today. Now, some of you are happy with that. Some of you are sad with that. I'm not here to talk politics. I'm just here to tell you the facts. And the facts are, is when you are not part of a citizen group and you're in that group or around that group, you don't have the same privileges. It used to be in America that women did not have the right to vote. All right? Now, that was many years ago. All right? My wife votes all the time now. Believe me. All right? She votes in the House. She votes whenever I see her. She, that's a joke. Oh, my gosh. You guys are asleep tonight. All right. So, Melissa... She has the right to vote now. But at, there was a certain time when she didn't have that right to vote. And she was outside of the privileges. Now, in the same way, he's saying, in the days when you were living apart from Christ, you were excluded from citizenship amongst the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promise that God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. You see, there's only hope when you have God. Now listen to me. There's only hope when you have God. You see, people, the, the people who came up from across the border had, border had no hope whatsoever, had no hope whatsoever of Social Security. They had no hope whatsoever of it. They had no hope of minimum wage, let alone 8 or 10 or 12 or 15 bucks an hour. Forget that. They had no hope of union wages. Why? They weren't part of the citizenship. And we also were outside of the, that citizenship and we couldn't partake of the promises of God. Now, because of that, in Ephesians, he's writing to us and he says, but look at verse 213. He says, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself, verse 14, has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people in his own body on the cross when he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. You thought that, that he died on the cross for your sins, and he did, but he also died on the cross to, to unite and to break down the wall of hostility between the non-citizens and the citizens. Which means this. 
that little area in the Mediterranean that only God dealt with, the barriers and the walls that were up around it, God broke those down and said, anyone can be my citizen now. Anyone can partake of my promises now. Anyone can be in my family now. And that's what he's trying to explain to us here because he's writing to the Ephesians who were Gentile believers. And he's saying, look, yeah, the Jews had it great for a long period of time, but the fact is, is God's broken down that wall of hostility between us and them in his own body on the cross. So he did more on the cross than we even recognize. Go to verse 15. He did this by ending the system of the law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. You are no longer under. He has ended the system of law with its commandments and regulations. You see, when I was in Southern California, there were laws and rules and regulations against non-citizens receiving from the Social Security. There's rules against that. There's laws and regulations. But when Christ came, he broke down that law. He, got, he did away with those laws. He said, anyone who comes into me can receive. It's very unfair if you want to know the truth. We didn't do anything to pay into that Social Security benefit to receive. We are the illegal aliens in God's kingdom. And since we are, what he did was he said, when you come into me, I break down all those rules. So there are no more rules. Anyone that's in me, I'm making one body, one group, one citizenship out of both Jews and Gentiles. So you get all the benefits that the Jews have, everyone who's paid into the social security system, for lack of a better explanation, and you don't have to pay in. Now, that's the benefit for us. That's the benefit for us. Let me read it to you again. He did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself. If you continue to make a distinction there, you continue to not accept what he did in himself. By creating in himself one new people from two groups, Ephesians 2 and 16. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God and by means of his death on the cross and our hostility towards each other, by means of his death on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death. It was put to death. Listen, once God puts something to death, you cannot resurrect it. So you might as well let it go. You might as well understand that we are spiritually the same group of people that God has always dealt with and always will deal with. And you can find anyone who is a non-believer and bring them into that group simply by giving, by presenting them with, sal with the salvation message that Jesus Christ died so that Gentiles could come into that club. Citizenship. Ephesians 2 and 17. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to Jews who were near. Verse 18. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. How do you come to the Father? Hold on. You can, now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. 
through the same Holy Spirit. You see, the, God, Jesus Christ paid the price for us to be there, but you enter into the Father through the Holy Spirit. He seals your spirit. We looked at that earlier in, the, in this Ephesians message. Because of what Christ has done for us. Now, verse 19. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Now, I know you don't know know that or a lot of you don't know this but did you know that god's last name he changed his last name at one point he's the god of abraham isaac and jacob all right he he put in his name now if you look that up in the greek he put in his name abraham isaac and jacob just like when a man marries a woman she puts in her name his name even if she keeps her last name which tended to be popular some years ago and maybe a little still she still takes his name well, God took Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's name. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the fact is, is because of that, he's family. Now, it's amazing to me that the God who created this whole universe wants to be family with humanity. But he sent his son as a human being, as a person, to die on the cross to sacrifice for us. You are members of God's family, verse 2 and 20. Together, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Look at 21. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Did you know that all of us together, whether Jew or Gentile, there is no distinction any longer. But whether Jew or Gentile, we all together are members and, and bricks and homes for Christ. And we fitly join together just the same way as you would put uh, uh, two bricks together with mortar and you would fit them together. Just like you would take two by fours and frame out a doorway and fit a doorway into it. We are fit together as Christians, as members of his body, being part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Through, verse 22 and 22 says, through him, you Gentiles were also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. What I want you to realize is, is you're not alone. We together make up a body of Christ and together he lives amongst and within us. It's not you alone. Which is why it's so important that Christians quit playing the lone, the, the lone Ranger game. You know, the Lone Ranger was one guy out... I don't, you guys don't remember the Lone Ranger. The Lone Ranger was one guy on a horse out in the middle of the desert. Some of you remember him. And, and, he, and he fought crime on the range against all kinds of bad guys, all alone, all alone. But the fact is, is you're not alone. The fact is, is look around you. This is the body of Christ. This is where the Spirit flows amongst us. And not just here, but there's a church right across the street. And it has, it has the same, same situation. And there's one on down the road over here. And it has the same. And there's about three or four as you go up 5th Street that, that are up there. I'm not trying to advertise for them. I'm just telling you. All right, that those guys up there are as much the body of Christ as we are. And there's people over in Israel that are as much in the body of Christ as we are. And there's people in Japan and China and Mexico and Canada. Those that believe in Jesus Christ, the Spirit lives in us and we are His dwelling. Now, we're going to go on to Ephesians 3. 
When I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, verse 2, by the way that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. Verse 3, as I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. So Paul is now saying, now, since we're all on the same page here, guys, here's what Paul's saying. Since we're all on the same page and I'm not a Jew preaching to Gentiles, I've been given special message to invite you guys in. We're all one big group. Since that's the case, since that's where we're at with this, I want you to understand that I have been given the, the, mysteri- the, the revealed mysterious plan from God. Verse 4. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. Verse 5, God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by His Spirit, He has revealed it to His holy apostles and prophets. God did not reveal it to previous... Oh, I'm sorry, I read that already. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving Him by spreading the good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. Now, I was chosen, verse 9, to explain this to everyone, to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of the universe, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. Let me read verse 9 again. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. Now, stop. He says something here. He says, look, here's the deal, guys. We're all one big family. And because we're one family, I'm going to show you something now. It's been a secret up until he said until the prophets and apostles. He says it's a secret. It was revealed to some of the the prophets coming along, but it's been a secret to everybody until now. And I'm about to tell you this gigantic secret from God. I'm about to tell you what it's all what it's all about, what his purpose was. Now watch this. Verse three and ten. God's purpose in, in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Church. You guys are an example to the heavenly realms and the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. I know you don't feel like it. I know you don't qualify for it. I know that I don't qualify for it. But the fact is this, what God does, He does well. And what He did in completing our salvation shows His wisdom, not ours. And what it shows is His rich variety that He chose to the unseen rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. You are an example to them. Now, what am I trying to say? One day, He's going to pick Aubrey up and he's going to say, Aubrey, come here and stand right here because I want to bring the devil and I'm going to say, hey, devil, nanny, nanny, boo, boo. This is what I chose, not you. That is going to show his power, his authority, and he'll do it to Aubrey or to Annie, too. Annie will be there, too, won't you, Annie? So Annie and Aubrey are going to be standing before God and he's going to say, this 
is the wisdom that I decided, that I saved. Listen, we were all headed for hell. We were all broken. And He stepped in and changed that for us. Did we accept His sacrifice? Absolutely. But that's all we did. He said, here's something great. And we went, okay. We didn't do anything more than that. And in showing that, He is going to actually use us as an example to display His wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That means the devil and the angels. Verse 3 and 11, this was His eternal plan which He carried out through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 12, because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Verse 13, so please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. Because he was in prison when he wrote this. Verse 14 and 15, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the Creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And then we're going to get into the second prayer that Paul, that Paul expresses here. Now, Here's what I'm trying to show you. And here's what, what Ephesians is trying to show you. And there's a reason we're in the book of Ephesians. What do we get through? Verse 15. Okay. He says clearly that your salvation was not a, was a gift. It was not for the, anything that you did. Zero that you did. That it was God's plan from the beginning to save you. That he's used, that he had a mystery that he didn't reveal except to the apostles, and that was this. He was showing his, his purpose and plan, and all that happened was that he wanted to show his enemies how great he could do, and you are his masterpiece and his greatness. How many of you feel like that? Not me. But the fact is, is when you get up and you talk to God in the morning, He says you can come confidently and boldly. Do you think for one second that the Mona Lisa stands before Leonardo da Vinci and says, I I'm just not, I'm so unworthy for you to look at me? Of course not. Leonardo da Vinci, if there's a mistake, he's responsible for it. And if there's a mistake in you, God's responsible for it. And I don't think there's any mistake in your salvation. Oh, there may be mistake in, your, in how you act, and there may be mistake in you walking out some things with God, but the fact is, is what the work that He did to get you to where you're at today, zero mistakes. And He will stand with you. You have an advocate in Jesus Christ who will stand with you on the day of judgment, a lawyer named Jesus Christ who will stand with you in the day of judgment saying, I paid for this, this, they're free. And the devil will say, yeah, but don't you know what they did? And he'll say, I'm sorry, this is God's masterpiece. Yeah, are you speaking against the master maker? Because what they are is what he made them. And so we stand there just like the Mona Lisa, simply reflecting the glory that God shown, did for us simply reflecting the masterpiece that He is. I don't get it. But the reality is, and let me show you something. Do you know what, what, what Leonardo da Vinci made his paint out of? Some of it was eggs. Did you know that? He used like eggs and then he used some red colored dirt and then he used some, some other stuff, some oil and some red, yellow colored dirt. He, 
And he, he mixed this stuff up. And if you get it down to its bare properties, it's really not anything. But when you put it together right, something magical happens. Something spiritual happens. And you couldn't do what Leonardo da Vinci could. Aubrey can. All right? And she showed us. But you and I can't. All right? We can't do what Leonardo can do. Can we? And we can't, we don't dare as the Mona Lisa stand before its creator and say, I'm not worthy. I'm not telling you to get big and proud and say you're worthy. You didn't do anything to get there. But the fact is, is you are what God made you. Your salvation is what He made you to stand in. So you can go to Him proudly, not proudly, you can go to Him boldly and say, Lord, I love you. Lord, I lift my hands and trust you. Lord, you, you made me and you're providing for me. I come before you boldly as a member of your family. And the shame is gone. That's what he did for you in the book of Ephesians. That's what's explained there. We'll get more into it next week. We have a whole other, uh, we'll get almost through, we'll get through three and almost through four or all the way through four. We're going to try and do this in six weeks. So I'm thrilled for it. Let's have the band come up one more time. You guys have a closing song? Yes, come on up then. I want you to remember that you didn't do anything. As they sing this song, I want you to remember that you did nothing for your salvation. That it is not dependent upon you that you were saved. Now, you're going to walk it out the rest of your life and there will be rewards and benefits for what you did and, and, there will be, and, and some things won't make it. I understand that. But the fact is, is God's salvation is perfect. And you will stand with God one day and all of the heavens will say, what were you thinking, God? And He's going to say, this is my masterpiece. This is my masterpiece. So, as we stand to pray, to sing this last song, I want you to sing to Him and thank Him for what He's done for you. Not in a way that you say, oh, I'm not worthy. No, boldly and strongly come before His throne.